Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast, last one for the week. Bob Irving joins me to preview the Bombers-Eskimos game and also vent a bit about the disaster that the NFL game turned out to be between the Raiders and Packers. The field's all messed up. Bob has some thoughts on that. Also, the Prairie Pole Vault Festival. Yeah, that's a thing. It's coming up. Some pole vaulters join me in studio and the Power Parlay. Philly Joe and I gave you our picks for week 11 in the CFL. It's been a long time since we've all been perfect. So we cross our fingers and pray on the podcast. We have Bob Irving on the line to talk about the Eskimos and the Bombers. But first, Bob, just you heard what I had to say there about the Packers pulling a lot of their players and well, you were a little hesitant about this game when it was first announced, and I guess you're feeling more so now? Well, I couldn't have imagined, Christian, that they'd have problems like this. Uh, I guess my worst fears are realized now that it's going to kind of look bad on Winnipeg from people on the outside who don't know you know, all the details. That's the thing that would bother me the most. And I heard earlier today about this concern about the hole in the end zone, if I can use that term, why it would be fine for one team and not for the other is beyond me. I I heard somebody today say it's all about the arrogance of the National Football League, and I think some of that is involved. But certainly, I mean, if the Packers feel that Aaron Rodgers is running the risk of injury, they wouldn't want to put him on the field. Uh, yeah, what a mess, eh? I mean, mm-hmm. and so the fans that have paid these huge ticket prices are going to feel like they were – cheated and uh, I don't know it's turning into a just a total disaster I hope that the presentation on television is at least somewhat positive and explains everything and mm-hmm. and underscores the fact that the issues that have come up aren't a result of anything Winnipeg did wrong uh, you know I hope that comes out but we'll see it's too bad it really is yeah we have the TV on in the studio here obviously the sound is off because I have to talk on the radio but it look I mean the field from this standpoint because we watch this turf you know nine times a year or more playoffs pending and the field's fine but I guess that's just the conversion from Canadian to American football it's an experiment and so far, and we'll still wait for a you know a proper explanation, but so far it looks like the conversion might be a one-and-done kind of failed experiment here in Canada. Well, I was there yesterday, and the field looked fine to me. Now, I, I again, I can understand, I guess, these concerns about uh, the turf in the end zone. If it's not perfectly level, the players are under some element of, of higher risk of injury, I guess, but uh, I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> without... Not being there and talking to people and having a better understanding of what's going on, but uh, you know, for Green Bay to pull their starters and Oakland to play theirs, I don't quite understand that. Right. That just makes you question the whole thing even more. And apparently, they are playing on an eighty-yard field too. So they, yeah. So I, so I understand. Well, yeah. there you go. It's a preseason game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a preseason game. That's what I've been saying all <laughs> along. You had to pay three hundred bucks to go to a preseason game. Never mind all these problems. Uh, that they would charge that much for it in the first place was right. ludicrous. I well, I don't think you'll find many people disagreeing with you on that one. But let's turn our no, focus people, now. People in the states feel the same yeah. way. I mean, people in Las Vegas and Oakland and all the rest of them where the preseason games they can't the NFL can't give their preseason games away no. with their home stadiums. No, so don't get, don't get me going. Don't get me. Going. <laughs> all right, Bob. Let's lower your blood pressure by talking about the Blue Bombers. <laughs> And the Eskimos getting underway tomorrow night, 8 o'clock kickoff on CGOB, 6 p.m. pregame coverage begins. We talk a lot about the first versus, or the first place battle. Obviously, both teams won't give much credence to this, but 
ultimately, how big a game is this as they kick off the second half of the schedule? Well, beyond the fact that uh, the winner will be in first place through 10 games, Christian, this is the season series on the line between these two teams. So that adds some importance to it for sure. The Bombers won the first game by seven points. They only played twice this year. So the Eskimos obviously want to win the game, but they want to win it by more than seven points. So they'd have the season series in the case of a tie at the end of the year. And the way the standings look right now, the chances of a tie among these top teams is certainly very much there. So I think the ramifications are significant. Uh, you know, Michael Shea and his team, and the same with Jason Moss of Edmonton today, he said, look, yeah, it's a, it's a key game for sure, but it's game 10 of 18 and much will happen after this game. But uh, for right now, and the Bombers, of course, uh, at 7-2 and two can, you know, move four points, four points ahead of Edmonton and would have won the season series if they win the game tomorrow night. So I think, uh, you know, when you consider all those things, it's a pretty significant game 10 in an eight-game season. And the look game season. and the look for the Bombers on offense obviously changes with Chris Treveller in at quarterback. We've talked a lot about him, but really we just need to wait and see how he does with, you know, yeah. now knowing he's going to be the guy for the next possibly six, maybe more games. Yeah, beyond the standings uh, and what's at stake there, the, the big storyline for this game is the fact that Streveler is taking over from Matt Nicholas. How will Chris do? That would be your headline, I guess. And, you know, he started four games last year, two of them against Edmonton. He's played in every game that he's been here in Winnipeg for a year and a half now. So he's not like some inexperienced kid that's never played a down of football that they're kind of throwing to the wolves. He, he knows his way around. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious, like everybody else is, I'm anxious to see what he does, how he handles it, how much he might have improved over last year. And we're going to get a look at all that tomorrow night. And uh, it will have a, a large bearing on how this game goes. And how the season plays out for the Bombers, because as you say, he's going to play at least four or five, six games now before Nichols is ready to come back. We know his legs are good, but I guess the question is, how is his arm? How do you look in practice this week? Well, he threw the ball well. I thought he threw it with authority. Um, He doesn't have the strongest arm of any quarterback in the league, but it's certainly very adequate. And, you know, we'll see how he can throw on the run because he'll be flushed out of the pocket Mm -hmm. for sure. The Eskimos, I expect, will bring some heat till. They'll want to test him right off the bat and see if he's quick to tuck it and run. I know the Eskimos are concerned about his ability to run. They said that today, that uh, the Bombers can throw a lot of different things at you now with Strebler in there in terms of run-pass option and all that kind of thing, the things that they wouldn't do with Matt Nichols, and that creates some headaches for a defense. So, uh, But in terms of his passing, he looked, uh, he looked fine in practice. So we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Maybe the biggest issue for the Bombers, maybe not be their offense, but it's slowing down Trevor Harris, who has been so good, so accurate, prolific with yards this season, and he's barely been touched. So how can the Blue Bombers get enough pressure on Harris to make his life a little more difficult tomorrow night? Yeah, he's been sacked three times, and the Eskimos have recorded 30 sacks. Those are just mind-boggling numbers in that department for one team. Harris has got the very quick release, of course. The offensive line in Edmonton has done an excellent job. I know the Bomber defense is kind of fired up quietly about this thing. They, they see this as a real kind of test for them and a chance to really show their stuff. Unfortunately, they'll play without Craig Rowe and Jackson Jeffco, two of their top defensive ends. Uh, I expect they'll, they'll blitz a little bit more, but this is not a heavy blitzing team, so that would be out of character for them. But I think they'll, they'll try to rattle Harris, keep him in the pocket. I think one of their goals would be to keep him in the pocket, don't let him move into those open spaces where he can buy some extra time and find that uh, excellent receiving core that he has. So that's a 
a big part of the chess match tomorrow night is how the Bombers can contain Mr. Harris because he's on pace to pass for 6,000 yards this season, and that's pretty good, eh? That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> and for the Bombers, you, you mentioned the injuries, right? Jackson Jeffcoat isn't playing. Craig Rowe is out now. So you've got Jonathan Kongbo all of a sudden starting, and Teadric Hansen's bound to get some time too. So it's it's an opportunity. Yeah, they're, they're young, but it's an opportunity for them to get some time and maybe make a big impact. Well, that's what Mike O'Shea always says. Well, this is a great opportunity for these guys to show what they can do. And he's right. It is. But if you had your, your brothers, you'd rather have Jackson Jeffcoat yes. out there. I can guarantee you of course. that. So, so it is an opportunity for those guys. And, uh, and uh, we'll see. And Hanson played well in the, late in the game against BC last week. But we'll see how much they can deliver. I mean, Congo's a raw rookie, right? He's played three games so far. Uh, but he's an energetic guy whose forte is rushing the passer. And who knows, maybe tomorrow night he comes out and makes some big plays. But there's no question the Bombers go in here undermanned. You talked about the defensive ends. Brandon Alexander is still out. Darvin Adams is still out. Matt Nichols is not playing. Pat Newfeld's not playing. Uh, Cody Speller, who had been starting at left guard, is not playing. And so, uh, you know, they're going in undermanned. There's no doubt about it. And uh, Mike Lachey would never, ever complain or make an issue of of that but uh you know they don't have the full deck tomorrow night and finally andrew harris has been a topic of discussion last couple days it seems like he'll be okay but last time they played he was very well contained by the edmonton defense so how important is it for him especially with chris trevler now as the quarterback for him to be a big factor tomorrow night well, I think it is, and they'll for sure pay close attention to Harris. It's interesting today, Almondo Sewell, defensive tackle, the Eskimos paid Harris really the ultimate compliment. He said, I think he's the most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League, and, and that was an unsolicited comment. We didn't ask him about Harris. He just kind of threw it out there. So, yeah, they will be keying on Harris for sure because every team feels the same way, that if they can shut down the bomber running game, which is such a big part of what they do, then they really put a lot of pressure on the rest of their offensive game. So that'll be, uh, you know, another one of the the chess matches that will uh, determine to a large degree how the game turns out. All right. Joining me in studio are Ryan McDonald and Emily Blackner. They are pole vaulters taking part in the upcoming Prairie Pole Vault Festival. Thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. All right. So let's start with... The Pole Vault Festival itself. Is this a fairly new thing, Ryan? Yep. We started it last year, so it's our second annual. Mm -hmm. Um, Really exciting. We should have vaulters from Saskatchewan, Manitoba, hopefully Alberta, Ontario. We have one coming down from the States. Yep. Yep. From Arizona. She's currently training. Oh, she's coming all the way up here. Yeah. (laughs) It was really exciting. We were at Nationals, and we got a text saying, can we host a competition on Friday for her? And we're like, yeah, of course. Come whenever you want. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Emily, is this a fairly casual thing that this festival is? Because it's not a competition. It's called a festival, right? Yeah, definitely. So alongside with the pole vault, um, it is being held in our coach's backyard. So we have <laughs> swimming, rock climbing, volleyball. It's just kind of a little bit of everything. How big's your coach's backyard? Ten acres. That's more than a backyard. So, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a property there. So how many people are you expecting in total? Uh, we really don't know right okay. now. Uh, we it start, starts tomorrow. Yeah, it starts tomorrow. People are just going to show up, and that's okay. totally cool. Okay. That's kind of what we want. Uh, we have a few registered online. We did the registration a little bit late this year, so it's kind of hard for people to right. like register. But, I mean, they show up. That's what we want. We just want people out there. Okay. And, uh, Emily, how big slash small is the pole vaulted community in Manitoba and then Canada? 
So it's definitely pretty small compared to the other events. We are, I guess we could consider ourselves like a little family. Okay. Um, and again, in Canada, it's still pretty small compared to the other events. Right. So let's kind of go back a bit here. When did you start pole vaulting? We'll start with you, Ryan. I started three years ago. I used to be a triple jumper, and then I had stress fractures, so I found that hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of recruited to come over and try pole vault, and I loved it. There's like no way I'd go back to triple jump. <laughs> so the first time you were up in the air, how many feet, how was that feeling? And was, first of all, did you clear the bar? Well, I mean, your first little <laughs> while, you kind of struggle and just trying to learn it because it's so unnatural. It's unlike right. anything else. Like you're running with a stick and then you stick it in the ground really hard and then you got to jump over something. Like there's a lot that goes into it. Very technical. Extremely technical. There's so many aspects to it. It's tough. Emily, you're, when did you start? I also started three years ago. Um, I've only done two seasons, though. In my second season, I tore my ACL. Oh, no. So I took the year off to recover. And um, before that, I did gymnastics for 12 years. So some of the skills kind of transferred over. Did you compete at the university level? Or where did you do the pole vaulting? Yeah, both of us. Yeah, both of us were... um, I'm still currently with the Bisons. And then... I'm an old man now, so I graduated. (laughs) Okay. I think I'm older than both of you, but that's okay. Um, So... The I guess the feeling of pole vaulting must you said it's you can never go back to triple jump. What's it like? It's unreal. Like you run down the runway as fast as you can. How long's runway? Uh, my runway is about twenty-seven meters. Okay. Yeah, and then you jump as far. Basically, it's like a long jump slash high jump takeoff. Like you want to go far but also high. It's really strange. <laughs> um, and then yeah, you go upside down. And you got shot up in the air, and you try and clear a bar. It's wild. Then you land on your back on this big fluffy mat. <laughs> right. Because and for those, most people have seen it the Olympics or something before, right? You see people, and then the the pole just bends like crazy, and then whoop, there you go. Yeah. How long is the pole? Um. So smallest is usually around like eleven feet. Biggest about sixteen feet. Okay. I jump on a fourteen foot pole. And then Ryan jumps on usually like a 15-foot pole. Is there just like tinkering to find the right one for you? Definitely. Like it's all about weight, um, your jumping abilities, how the timing of the pole is dropping. Like there's so many little aspects that go into it. And even like the weather, like if it's a hot day, your poles mm. will get a little bit softer. So you might want to go up in weight or length. It's, okay. Yeah, it's really technical. And how hard do you have to jam it in t- to get the right, I guess, f- flex to get up? So actually you don't really want okay. to like jam it into the ground. Because, like, when you do your takeoff, you throw your arms up into the air. So it's actually better that it kind of lands softer into the box. Okay. What's your record height that you've cleared? Oh, I don't really want to talk about that. No? <laughs> I'm not going to have a reference point. <laughs> well, I mean, we both kind of jump around the same height because she's yeah. an amazing athlete. And <laughs> what, I've been is, struggling is with some than yours? Is that what this no, is? No, 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 no. It's, it's the exact same. It's the same. exact same. We yeah. both, <laughs> our PBs are four meters. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what's the world record? Six, 15, 17, somewhere around there. Yeah, and then women's, um, it's about 506. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely high. It's unreal when you see something that high in person. Like on TV, you're just like, yeah, I mean, these guys are good. They should be able to get over that. But in person, it's wild. It is so high. Right. Yeah. And so are you going to, at the festival, try to clear enormous heights? Or you just, how do you? I mean, that's the goal, right? Yeah, yeah just try and be as best as you can be. Right. So I guess, how how casual is this then, this festival? You got people crashing on couches? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> couches, we slept in hammocks last year. Oh, that's not bad. Like in the basement. 
Yeah, it was pretty sweet. There's like gymnastics flooring in my coach's basement, so it's super comfortable. Mm-hmm. You got people, yeah, couches, air mattresses. Um, I might bring my camper van and sleep in that. Like, <laughs> it's super casual, yeah. Nice. So, Emily, you mentioned that you're still with the Bisons. Yeah. How, how many people are there pole vaulting at the U of M? So, with the Bisons, currently, I'm the only female. Okay. And then... We only have one other male. <laughs> so do you feel like you're in this tiny, tiny little space then? Definitely, yeah. But I mean, um, being on the team with the Bisons, you always feel like you have teammates around. Right. And that's, the, I guess, the nature of track and field, right? You you all have your forte, but, mm-hmm. you know, you all specialize, but ultimately you're part of a bigger team, right? Yeah, yeah like it's, it's an individual sport, but you always come together with your team. Okay. In a, if you're, you know, practicing, training for a big event, how many times are you vaulting in a day? Ooh, easily like 30. Okay. Like I've done 30 plus jumps in a day and it's tiring for sure. But I mean, you know, you take a jump and then you take a little break and you go when you're ready, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to push it too much. Like you're putting everything you got into this jump. So if you're not hundred percent, things can go wrong really quick. Emily, what hurts after doing a jump? Definitely my legs. From yeah. the from the sprinting, I guess. Yeah, shin splints is a big injury in our group. <laughs> yeah, we're all glass athletes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's kind of incredible to to think about just the the technique. We've all you know seen it on TV, but to actually try it, it is this festival only for people that know how to pole vault? No, like I encourage anybody to come out and just see what it's about. If you're somewhat interested, come on out. If you're like maybe only a little bit interested, come on out. Just have a good time with us. Like okay. mm-hmm. it's all about sharing the atmosphere and the environment and being a part of the family that we got going on. I said if people want to learn more, where do they find it out? We have a Instagram page called Winnipeg Vault. Okay. Um our information is on the Athletics Manitoba website. Um anything else? think that's it and come out all, to the track like all weekend right yep all weekend mm-hmm. friday sunday just uh just near bird's hill right yep just across the street right, right. across the flood away from bird's hill yeah. all right well thank you both for coming in and uh have fun this weekend <laughs> thank, thank you very, very much. much the last two weeks i have been forced to not pick cfl because i haven't been enough games on a friday morning so i picked a soccer game that i got wrong and then last week i picked the rams in a preseason game that it was actually in hawaii and I got that one wrong. So <laughs> well, luckily, we're doing this on a Thursday this week, so we have the full four-game slate of the CFL to choose from. I have a little bit more confidence in my ability in the CFL, a little bit, some tricky spreads this week, and that means for the first time in I don't know how long, Mr. Joe Aiello gets to be a homer. Yep. If he wants to be. Get to pick the bomber game. Yep. I've been pretty good this year. I've got one wrong. That Helps game that in Toronto. Two, yeah. So, well, no, I had them losing in Hamilton. I right. took that game yeah. while I was in Las Vegas, but that Toronto game is still sitting bad with yeah, me. Yeah, that's, that's a tough that one. That was a tough one. Yeah, this no one, one saw that. Phil, you told me that the Eskimos were six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. That's the line, yeah. Yeah. Chris Strevler at quarterback for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And you know what? Again, a lot of uh, polarizing uh, thoughts about Strevler as a starter from people. Both sides. Well, it's uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised by how many people don't seem to have any... Or maybe not, don't have any faith in him. But some people are. Uh, there's not as much faith in Streveler as I thought. Like I view him as the heir apparent now. And there are so many people that were not happy with Nichols. Yes. So what I would, I, I think this is good. You know, you can look for. A, we never wanted to see Nichols get hurt, but right. now let's see what Streveler has. I'm going to take Edmonton to win in Edmonton in a close game. They're not going to cover those. The Bombers will cover the six and a half. Is I that, think so. Is that where I, you're going? Well. 
That's the tricky part. Six and a half is a tricky number because to me, you win by a touchdown, that's a close game. And I'm giving up the half point here. So I'm going to say Edmonton will cover the spread because I think it will be a touchdown win. Like a 30 to 23. Something like that. Yeah. Well, the, the Bombers already with Nichols rank eighth in the CFL in passing yards. Well, that's it. Like I, It's not like this team has been... They're a running ro- team. Yeah, we haven't been leaning on our offense. We haven't been winning because our offense lights it up or our passing game mm-hmm. lights it up. I'm hoping I'm wrong yeah. because the one thing I do like about Strevler is his arm. The mm-hmm. one thing I'm cautious about Strevler is it's that college mentality still. Yeah. Like it's 110%. Just ease off to about 97% <laughs> once in a while. Once in a while. And, yeah. Right. The so, special teams and defense have been yeah. so critical. And short fields are one of the reasons why they haven't had as many passing yards. But also... I think Edmonton at home has a, yeah. a bit of a difference and maker really for good. me too. I think Talk so too. With the bombers here. Edmonton's yeah, good team. might be so the best team right now in the, the this CFL. This isn't a Strevler thing. I, I don't even know with Matt Nichols if I would have taken the Bombers on this game. Just right. one of those gut feelings mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Edmonton to cover the six and a half. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm sorry to say it. <laughs> the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are playing good football. It pains me to say because we're coming as a Bomber fan, we're coming up on Labor the Day's coming up quick. Labor Day Classic Banjo Bowl. They're at home to the Ottawa Red Blacks, and they're favored. The Riders are by 10 points. Big number. I look back. The Riders, when they play bad teams at home, so I'm talking your Torontos, your BCs. They had a big number against Toronto, and we weren't sure about it, and I think they pasted. They covered 10 against BC, yeah. Toronto, so they, be, they whoop up on bad teams at home. Yeah. Ottawa would be a bad team. So I like the Riders' chances. I Trust me, this is giving me a rash just to say it. But I like the Riders' chances to cover the 10 here and win win by a big number at, uh, win by a big number at home against Cody Ottawa. Cody Fajardo has definitely proven to be a good quarterback. Yeah. And their defense is still pretty good, too. And Ottawa just at the quarterback position. Yeah. It's a black it's, hole. It's not a great place. Going into, going into Regina is not a, a good spot when you're struggling. No. Like, it's not a great place to get things right. So, yes, I got Saskatchewan to cover that 10 points. Okay. So, we've got home favorites so far. The other options are road favorites. We've got Hamilton by three and a half in BC Saturday night. Or 11 a.m. Central start Sunday. <laughs> 11 a.m. So, it's a noon Eastern start in Toronto. Oh, that must be when they get the most fans at 11 a.m. <laughs> Toronto. Family fun day in Toronto. <laughs> Montreal at Toronto. The Alouettes favored by six. In Toronto, coming off that crazy comeback win in Calgary. Yeah. No one saw that coming. <laughs> so you got to, you know, the you can go one of two ways. Either BC's got to do it at some point, right? Yep. Or Toronto's got to do it at some point. I have more faith in BC myself. If I was playing this th- three-game parlay, and yeah. I will, I'm taking BC to okay. win. I'm going to go with Toronto to cover. Against Montreal. I know Montreal okay. scored 40 in Calgary last week, but I don't trust them to be consistent enough yet to score enough points. Yeah. Right, right. I think this could be just a gross game, mm-hmm. kind of like a 20 to 15 Montreal wins, but yeah. I don't think they're going to score enough to cover. I think I've gotten this wrong with Toronto before. And that crowd of 250 in Toronto is going to be, <laughs> what you're saying is they're not going to be in for a classic. No. They can will you, not be. Uh, can you text us the score when the game's over? Because if it's Sunday at that time of day, there's a good chance most of Manitoba will be out doing something. Yeah, no one's watching that game. We're not the target audience for no. Montreal, Toronto. No. Toronto isn't even. No, I like true. where I like your mindset there because Toronto. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be in some games, and yeah, that they're would professional be football team. Yeah. They're gonna. Yeah. We saw it against the Bombers in the yeah. second half. True. They're gonna look competent sometimes. Yeah. And I'm just 
betting on that it's going to happen on Sunday. And if I'm wrong, then that means I don't know how many weeks in a row that I've been wrong. But Toronto's at home? Yeah. So Toronto's at home, and you've got them to cover. Yeah. You've got... Uh, the Riders. The Riders to cover at home. I've got Edmonton at home to cover. Let's just take for fun that BC-Hamilton game because I think it's going to be a good football so game. So you think BC covers two and are going to go all four home teams? I'm going to do that. Ooh, we th- we and think BC's about- a dog, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I, they are. I think I would. Half. You know what? I like the idea of throwing that on, but I, but I might go the other way, Joe. Mm-hmm. Hamilton. I, I've, I don't know if are- Hamilton's paying. Three, yeah, are they going to pay? They're three and a half point favorites. Hamilton in on the road. I'm going to go with the Lions. Okay, well, we'll I got go, faith in Mike. Let's Riley. go with Joe on this. Bonus one. pick. Yeah, a bonus pick. We're going to go all four home teams. We we like to think, oh, the, they, all four home teams can't possibly win. It's, it, I, it's, I it's don't just want, coincidence. I don't want any text messages Sunday <laughs> afternoon or whenever, and you tell me the Lions cost us the ticket. I don't well, want that. what could happen oh, well. is the Bombers win Friday and the ticket's already gone. Well, no. then you play another one. That's <laughs> what we all do. I won't text you. I'll come to your house. Oh, okay. Aiello, you screwed our ticket. What's going, what's going <laughs> Again. on? Again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come on. Sit down. We'll watch that Argos game. <laughs> Sorry, I'm already sleeping. Thanks, guys. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs>